theyeshiva.net. We began last week the Maimer of Lakuta Torah Parshas Bahar, Ki Savoyu El Ha'aretz, Ashani Noisen Lachem Veshav Saretz Shabbos Lashem. So the Maimer not just about Parshas Bahar, but it's really a Maimer that is very appropriate to learn in the days and weeks before Shavuos, Zman Matan Teresenu, as it explores some of the major themes about what Torah is, what learning Torah is, how to relate to Torah, how to appreciate Torah, as we already began discussing in the previous classes. We are now up to Siv Gimel, the third part, the third chapter of the Maimer. In your source sheets, it's on page 80, the first column. Daf Mem, column 3. Mem, column 3, or 80, the first column. You'll see, in the middle of the page, the paragraph ends, and there's a new paragraph, Gimel. The word starts, Ukedei. That's where we're holding, that's where we're going to continue. Be'ezer Hashem now. The Alter Rebbe explained, at length, after discussing the Pischili, if you didn't hear the previous classes, it would be very worthwhile to uh, review them. You could do it on double speed. Even if you did hear it, it's worthwhile to review them. This is a very, very extraordinarily powerful and potent mimer of the Balatanya. It was said in the year Tovkov Samach, 1800, apparently Parshas Bahar. And the first point of the first section, first chapter was Pischili to be able to experience our relationship as sisters, as brothers, as siblings who are innately and eternally connected and nothing can separate between us. The only question is how revealed the relationship is. But the relationship is always extremely powerful and always present. So you need Pischili, we have to open up the channels, and sometimes break through all the blockages, whatever those blockages look like. And for more sensitive people, he says, even the most subtle blockages can be extremely hurtful and painful because they're very sensitive to even the smallest and most minute levels of concealment. Somebody else may not be so sensitive to such minute levels of concealment. They're fine. If it's a denser cover-up, they can't handle it. But a, 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 a thinner, a thinner lavush, as he says, a lavush dak, it's a beautiful expression, a lavush dak, a thin cover-up, a, a minute concealment they can handle. <laughs> but somebody who's a gadol, spiritually more sensitive, more, more acute, more keen, more uh, aware, then they can't tolerate even the smallest levushim that cover up the oneness, that cover up the natural state of the soul, which is a chelik elikamimal. And as we explained at length how that works out in people's lives, where they have to know, you have to know your sensitivities, you have to know your spiritual longings and not substitute them with distractions that simply will take you away from who you really are and what you really need, and on the contrary, will make you more anxious and more stressed. So that's the pischili, you have to open up all the concealments, all the cover-ups, in order to experience achaisi. From there, the Alter Rebbe went to Rayosi. 
Rayasi in the translation translation there is my shepherd. The Rebbeinu Shalolam Hashem calls the Jewish people my shepherd. You shepherd me. You sustain me. And we know with sustenance, what happens is it actually becomes part of you. Your food becomes you. It's not a cliche. And here we went into this whole discussion about how that happens. What does it mean? No Jew will be cast away from him. What does it mean from him? From Hashem? From being mimenu. So he teaches mimenu. No Jew will be cast away from him. Meaning, no Jew will be cast away from being one with him. Completely from him. Mimenu. From being completely unified to the point that there's no... There's no disconnection any longer in the expression of the Zoya. To be absorbed in the very guf, in the very body, in the very essence of the king. And that's how you become food. You you sustain me, you're my shepherd, like food, but which goes into me completely. How can an Ashama reach that space? The Alter Rebbe says through Torah. Through Torah, the Neshama can reach this state of Le'ishtava begufa de Malka because of the uniqueness of Torah. I, you'll say, just like the Neshama is a chelik ma, but it assumes an identity of a yesh, of a nivra, of a created being. Neshama shenasata bitahoyrihi, but ata barasa. The same is with Torah. The same challenge the Neshama has, the Torah also has. The Torah also assumes a very physical identity. In a way, a more physical identity than the soul. The soul doesn't assume a physical identity. It gets enclosed in the body. The Torah assumes a very physical identity. As he says, much, most of the Torah deals with physical matters. Even litigations and money issues and even the other mitzvahs, sukkah, tefillin. It's all very technical and physical. That's true. So for this, the Alter Rebbe goes into the whole explanation. That the Pasuk says, L'chul lachmu belachmi. L'chul lachmu belachmi from Mishle. Eat your bread with my bread. I want you to break bread with my bread. Comparing the Torah that we learn to bread. And he says the only way that bread, physical bread, can sustain you is if it becomes absorbed in a person's limbs. Not if it remains separate. If I can't digest it, the bread won't do anything for me. The Torah too can only become food for the soul if it's completely absorbed in the person, it becomes part of you. When the Torah becomes now part of me, completely, so now I and the Torah become one, like bread, which becomes part of your bloodstream, and therefore part of your flesh, part of your very physical structure. There's no distinction anymore between the food that you eat and you. In the beginning there's a distinction, you take the food in, but already the moment it hits the tongue, the saliva in the tongue already, we know, begins the digestive process. It doesn't begin uh, once it goes down the food pipe in the intestines. The digestive, digestive process begins the moment you put your food into your mouth. When it touches your tongue, the moisture, the saliva on the tongue already begins the process of helping the food, allowing itself to ultimately be dissected breaking it apart to the point that it can be digested and converted into our bloodstream. The same is true with Torah. Torah is called Lechem, not only because it sustains us, because it sustains us like bread, only when it could really become me, it becomes one with me. And then the soul 
can become one with God. The soul becomes one with Torah. Then it could be lechulach mubalachmi. First it's your bread. It's your bread. It becomes yours. Torah becomes yours. One with you. And then Hashem says, then it becomes my bread. You become one with me because his bread is also one with him, just like our bread is one with us. His bread is one with him. In order to understand this whole explanation, the Balatanya began to explain the four stages generally that we have in Sidura the Pas, in the Malachas of Shabbos making bread. We went through all the Malachas in the last class. You could listen to it. But the point is, in order to get to that point that the bread could be absorbed in my system and converted into my bloodstream, I can't just harvest grain. That's the beginning. I plow and I plant and I harvest and I make sheaves and I uh, and I extract and I winnow. That's all good. But that's not going to do the trick yet. <laughs> it's the first step. But to get to that place where it becomes bread, what do we mean by bread? It becomes edible, digested in my system. In other words, it is no division between me and the bread anymore. To that, for that, there's four stages. There's, of course, planting, everything that comes with planting. There's plowing in order to plant. There's plowing to create the fertile ground to be able to plant. And you need the rain, and then there's the harvesting, etc. Then you have to get the kernel. You have the kernel, but you have to grind it. That's still not enough. Even when you have particles of flour, it's not edible. It's not digestible. You don't eat flour. It's not something that humans can eat and be sustained by. Now you have to knead the flour. In other words, you mix the flour with water, so now you have a dough. But that's still not going to do the trick. Now you have to put it into the oven and bake it. So we have zriya, tchina, lisha, and afia. Sowing, planting, zayin, and then you have mullen, you got to grind it, and then medafes kneten, in Yiddish, knead it, and then medafman is bakken. You got to bake it. What are these four stages in Avodah Hashem? Remember, we're comparing Torah to bread. So if this is the process in order to get from the stalk to the bread, in order to get from the, from the planting to the bread, these are the stages, and then you can eat it. The same is true with Torah. To get to that point where Torah becomes Lechem, where you eat it, you digest it, you ingest it, and it becomes part of you, which then allows you to become part of Gufa de Malka. Hashem says, Rayasi, you're my sustainer, you're my shepherd. So in order to understand this, Al-Tarebbe begins to explain the whole explanation that we delved in at length in the previous year, which was Friday. This was the main theme of the class. It's a very, very deep section in the Maimer. The whole Maimer is very deep. All of his Maimarim are very deep. But this was a real Gedichte, so to speak, a a real gedichta point in the Maimer. And the point was that, uh, I'm going to use the, I'm using the terminology of the Maimer. The point was that there's three aspects. There's the Koyachat Semeach, the vegetative power that's in the earth. And that's where everything comes from. Hakal Hayim and Afar, that's a spiritual power God gave into the earth that comes from his own utterance. Maimer, Tatshay Aritz Desha. Let the earth blossom grass. Tatshay is Eish Das. The Shach brings B'Shem Reb Shimshin. Sif in the Shach, the famous commentary on Chumash, brings it B'Shem Reb Shimshin, the Rash, that, uh, that Tatshe is Eish Das, 
Eshdos. He says it in the parenthesis, Ken Kosov Shach B'Shem Harav Shimshim. It's probably a comment of the Tzamach Tzadik who gave, who adds references to Lukud the Torah. So that's the Kayachat Semeach. The Kayachat Semeach, you have a tree. And from the tree, on the tree, you'll have, of course, the trunk, you'll have branches, you'll have leaves, and then you'll have the crowning, the, the crowning jewel of the tree, which are the fruits that are edible, the pay. And the pay has the full, the full luster and lushness and deliciousness and delightfulness and taste, taste, besides the smell and the looks, as he explains at length. But it all comes from the seed. The fruit really captures the full richness that the earth produces. That a combination of earth, soil, with air, with water, with sunlight can produce this, but it needs the seed. The seed on its own seems lifeless. It seems numb. It has nothing of the, of the glory, of the luster, of the taste, of the, of the geschmack, of the flavor, of the aroma or even of the appearance of the fruit. Nothing of its colors, and its colorfulness, and the diversity of the colors. Nothing of its inner substance, just a seed. But yet that seed has within it, as he said, something of the kayach something of the, of the vegetative power. And in a way it has it more than the fruit. We discussed about the DNA that's in the seed. So you have the Kayach HaTzimeach is really pure spirituality. Of course, it's in the earth, so it produces physicality, but it's a divine energy, a unique, a, a unique magic, so to speak, <clears throat> that the earth has these components that it can produce. And it produces. The way it's translated in the fruit is in the beauty and the deliciousness and in the aroma and the look of the fruit. But it all begins with the seed. When the seed is deposited in the earth, the seed has something of this inside of it. And when it comes into the earth, it brings out from the earth this unique energy being translated into a fruit that reflects the seed. Spiritually speaking, the kayachatzemech is a metaphor for the source of Torah. The source of Torah the word of Hashem is the source of divine infinity which is Hashem and His wisdom are one Hashem and His will are one the fruit of Torah is the way Torah is experienced in Gadeden that itself there's thousands millions, trillions infinite levels how many levels of Ganeidin? Generally, we speak about Ganeidin, not Ganeidin, but that's how the Torah is experienced in Ganeidin, where they experience the full pleasure of the Tainug, the delight and the ecstasy of divinity, of godliness. Like the Gemara says, Sadikim Oilam Haba, Brachas Yudzayin, Sadikim Yoshvim Venenim Miziva Shchina. That's Ganeidin. They enjoy the radiance, they bask and they bathe in the radiance and the luminescence of the divine Shchina. That's the Peri, that's the fruit. The fruit that comes from where the Kayach HaTzimech. The Kayach HaTzimech transcends the fruit. It's essentially a spiritual, intangible energy. But in the earth, it translates into a fruit. And the fruit is amazingly geschmack. 
but the fruit relative to the Kayach HaTzameach in the earth is called Yesh Me'ayin. Because it's only a contracted and condensed formulation of the vegetative power. The vegetative power in its essence is called Ayin, no thingness. The way it's channeled and condensed and manifested and embodied in the fruit, it's called Yesh Me'ayin. It captures something of the source, but nothing of the complete source. And that's like a Nadin. Tayyid itself is rooted in Hashem's inner wisdom, which is one with Him, which is absolutely infinite, which transcends our finite vessels and tools. But the way it comes into Gan Eden, over there there's a Tainug Eleki. There's a pleasure from experiencing the divinity of the wisdom of Tayyid and Mitzvahs. But the only way the fruit can come from the tree is, from the, the only way the fruit can come from the earth is through the seed. You need the seed. You don't plant the seed, you're not getting any fruits. What's the seed? Seed is the way the Torah condenses itself and comes down into our world. And then assumes a very physical incarnation where the point that you could look at the Torah, you could learn it. You can even enjoy it intellectually. And you do not see and feel and smell and taste and sense and experience that this is pure divine infinity that's flowing through every single halacha. Every single question, every single answer, every single proof, every nuance and detail is essentially a manifestation of divine infinity. I could learn Torah my whole life. At best, I could be learning brilliant stuff, great logic. Sometimes I find it to be irrelevant and boring. Sometimes it's very, very technical, dealing with nitty-gritty stuff I don't even understand or appreciate it. It's like that seed. You look at the seed and you say, what's here? Really the seed has within it the Kayach HaTzemech. It has within it what we call today the DNA, the genetic code, to be able to produce new fruit. And when the seed is put into the earth, it produces the fruit. What does it mean to take the seed and put it into the fruit? So the Alter Rebbe explained, You plant in tears, you harvest in joy. Schar mitzvah, mitzvah, Jew learns down there, Torah. He's not just learning physical ideas that are brilliant, that are amazing, that are interesting. He or she is taking the seed. What's the seed? The seed has the atzmius of Koyach HaTzemeach. The seed has in the Dvar Hashem Zuhalacha. The seed has in it the soul of the fruit. Everything that's going to come out in the fruit is the, all there in the seed, microscopically, in potentiality, but it's all there embedded, even if you can't perceive it. And that seed is now planted into the earth. As he puts it, it's beva, it becomes the earth, the dvar Hashem Zuhalacha, which is like the mother earth, the source of it all. And it grows schar mitzvah mitzvah. The schar of the mitzvah is the mitzvah. That's Gan Eden. Gan Eden is not a world that's separate from our world. Gan Eden is a revelation of the world life you're living in in this world. That's why some people could live in Gan Eden in this world and live in Gehenim in this world. Says the Gemara says, "Baba Basri and Zion, the Avos had Gan Eden in this world." Gan Eden and Gehenna are not two realities that await us in the world to come after 120 years. As Rabbeinu Menachem Azariah, found one of the great Kabbalists, in his Seif Masar Mamaris, writes, every person walks around either in the Aver of Gan Eden or the Aver of Gehenna, in the ambiance of Gan Eden or Gehenna. It says, when Yaakov walked into a Yitzchak, what did he smell? He smelled Gan Eden. Esav came and he saw Gehenna open in front under him. What does that mean? 
It means Gan Eden and Gehenim is just where the doors of perception are cleansed and you see which world you live in. Schar mitzvah mitzvah. This is very, very important stuff. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah. Ganeidin is not something separate from the mitzvah. It's just seeing what the mitzvah is. It's bringing out what's there in the seed. That's Ganeidin. Yutoifus. People think Ganeidin is a separate world. No. It's bringing out the seed. That's it. It's the seed coming to its full blossom. It's unraveling and exposing what is embedded in the seed. That schar mitzvah is mitzvah. The reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah. It's not a separate reward. You worked hard, I'm going to give you a paycheck. The paycheck has nothing to do with your work. Here the schar doesn't necessarily have to do with your work. Here the schar mitzvah mitzvah, the schar is your work. (laughs) It's not something else. It's what you generated, it's what you created. It is the mitzvah, it's the seed. It's just in the seed, it's concealed. And schar mitzvah means that the seed blossoms. And that's what Ganeidin is. It's the pleasure of Torah, experiencing the lakus of Torah, which is still yesh me'ayin, And it's the physical halacha that becomes the seed when planted in the earth that brings it out. But you have to plant it. You have to plant it in the earth. And he says planting is not enough. You have to cover it with the earth. It has to become decomposed in the earth. It has to become completely one with the earth which is going to be the theme of the continuation of the Maimah, that a person's learning has to follow that bittle, that surrender to the source, to want to become one with the source. So now the Torah that I'm learning in this world becomes one with the source. This is what the person does. I want to become completely one. And he says, this is how a person has to learn. The Gemara says in Yavam, Somebody says, I have only Torah, I don't even have Torah. What does it mean? So the Alter Rebbe teaches, if somebody says, I only have Torah, there's nothing to Torah more than Torah, just the Torah I have, that's it. He says, even the Torah you don't have. You're missing the point. Sometimes you see a person could learn Torah, and the Torah actually brings arrogance. They become more arrogant they become more haughty. They have this feeling of holier than thou. I'm superior to you. So he says, I feel a Torah in light. You're completely missing the point. You stripped the Torah from its essence. It's like you strip the garments. It's like, I, I see you and I really like, I like what I see. I, I take your garment and I leave you behind because I want you. I don't have you. I feel a Torah in light. The whole Torah, every Nekud of Torah that you're learning is, is Ein Soif. It's Chachmas Hashem. If all I'm getting is I'm feeling arrogant and better and, and superior to other, better than other people, superior to other people, and it, it turns me into somebody who's, can even be sometimes rude and obnoxious and dismissive and disrespectful, you're missing the point. I feel a Torah in life. Furthermore, the Alter Rebbe says, even if I'm learning Torah, and I'm just, it's just the intellect. It's, it's nice svaras. I love the svaras and, and I'm getting caught up in the logic and the gedin and the din. Good. But I feel a tayrein. You don't have the mahus of tayrein. The mahus of tayrein is a lakus. The mahus of tayrein is ain't saif. The mahus of tayrein is chachmasir shalakadish baruchu. That's flowing through and vibrating through every svara and every nakud.
What does he say? Yasim libay lepnimiyus alakus hamalubers bamim ekoyde v'sharshel lamaylab chinas chachmeila. That's what you want to be mesim leif. Don't put your whole focus only on the garment, the physical garment of Torah. Now, of course, he says, You have to focus on the physical garment of Torah, because if you're learning halacha, you're learning about the physical expression of Torah, no question. But don't think that your grasp of the external facade, that's the whole thing. Essentially, you're dealing with pure divinity. And the truth is, the truth is, this is not our topic today, I'm just mentioning this. The deeper you go into the svara gashmas, if you go into the physical svara, what I mean physical svara, the svara, the way it's dealing with the very physical issue that you're dealing with, the deeper you'll go into it, the more you will discover infinity. As we spoke different times, different shiurim, Especially this was the Derech Halimud of the Ragatravar gone, and the Rebbe as well. That every Svara, you go deeper and deeper. It's a Levush for a deeper level. And if you go deeper and deeper, you will ultimately touch places that are extremely, that exist on the border between the physical world and the spiritual world, and then you'll touch Ein Saif. So you're talking about, the Rebbe says, when you're learning, you're talking about Dibura Yishal Makim, the words of Hashem. And then what happens is, the seed became aligned with the earth. If I take the seed out of the earth and I put it on the windowsill, and I look at it, that's like learning Torah, stripping the physical Torah from the spiritual Torah. Stripping the externals of Torah. The way Torah is manifested and embodied in the physical, technical halachas, and I'm stripping it from its pure essence. It's a windowsill, beautiful seed. What does it do there? It sits on the windowsill. It has tremendous potential. It's all there. But you can't see any of it. And that's why all learning Torah is good. <laughs> the, the seed has everything. But it's all, it's all concealed. When I take the seed, I put it in the earth. I align. I align the seed with the earth. I align the Torah that I'm learning with the Kayach Now they become one. The Torah down here and the Kayach the seed decomposes comes one with the earth, and now we can create a schar mitzvah mitzvah, the gili of the fruits in Ganeid. Now what happens is, the Torah becomes completely one with the source. So you remember the Alter Rebbe asked in the beginning of this chapter, how can through Torah can the soul become completely one? The Torah also came down into physicality, just like the Neshama. We have the answer now. Torah is like the seed that decomposes. And it becomes, like he says, the last words of this chapter, becomes completely one with the earth. There's no separation anymore. When that Torah now becomes you, so now we're you, also become one with that earth. So, that's the whole continuation of the chapter. You see how it, it all comes together. Siv Gimel. Anybody wants to ask... Any questions before we go further? In other words, I was saying that his point here is with Ganeiden, that it's not like a person thinks, you know, I work in the factory, and at the end of the week I get a paycheck, or at the end of the month I get a paycheck. So Ganeiden is the paycheck that you get for this world. It's much deeper than that. It's not a paycheck. Gan Eden is the world I create for myself. It's the world I live in. 
In other words, a person could live in Gan Eden in this world. It's the environment, it's the ambiance I create for myself. I live a world, if I live in a world of truth, in a world of holiness, in a world of goodness, I'm living in Gan Eden. The difference is that in this world, things are more concealed. So I may not see the world I'm living in. But Gehenna and Gan Eden are really just, you know when somebody picks up a mirror to you <laughs> and says, hey, look in the mirror. Gan Eden and Gehenna essentially are mirrors. That's what they are. God picks up a mirror and says, hey, look, and you get to see yourself. One person sees himself, and what does he see? Gan Eden. And another person sees himself, and what does he see? The opposite of Gan Eden. It's spelled the holding up a mirror. It's But seeing not just my nose, you know, not just my eyes, not just my forehead. It's seeing what's inside. So I could look. And if I became that person that I, I could have become, I'm, I see Ganadin. I'm, I, I'm, I'm in Ganadin. Ganadin is in me. And sometimes I look up and I'm like, O-M-G. So usually we translate it as, oh my God. But in this case, it's, oh, my Gehenna. OMG. So basically, I'm looking in the mirror, and I basically see I was living in a world of falsehood. That's the world I'm in. And I need a lot of healing. I need a lot of cleansing. I need a lot of cosmic therapy, which is also the idea of Gehenna, you know, cleansing. So I can go into my real space, which is Ganeidin. So it's not about scaring people or punishing or vengeance or I'll get you back. It's really about understanding what life you're living, what life I'm living, who I am, what type of relationships I create, how I engage with myself and others, how honest am I, how authentic am I, what good do I bring in every day to me and to the people around me and to God's world. And that's the idea, according to the Alter Rebbe, of schar mitzvah mitzvah. And schara veira veira. The Mishnah says in Perkeyov is the reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah, the reward of the sin is the sin. What does it really mean? The greatest reward of the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. Nothing else. You don't need anything else. It's that you did the mitzvah. So what's the reward? The reward is you'll see what you did. <laughs> you'll have a mirror and you'll be able to see. The worst punishment of the veira is veira, the sin itself. The hest, the hest, the worst consequence for the Avera is the Avera itself. That's worse than anything else. You know, somebody will say, it's really very relevant to tshuva. Let's say taking a marriage. Somebody betrays their spouse. So there's a lot of penalties. There could be a lot of consequences and penalties and not good things that may come out of it. But how do you know there's tshuva? When they realize that the worst thing that happened was the betrayal itself, nothing else. It's not that you were caught. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the worst thing that happened. That's the best thing that happened. <laughs> the worst thing that happened was the betrayal. That the relationship was ruined. That such a beautiful relationship was ruined. The moment you become aware of that, you're already in a good space. The worst thing about the Avera is the Avera itself. That's it. 
Nothing else comes close to that. The best thing about the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. The mitzvah itself is the best thing. You can't get better than that. You can't get better than that. We say, Gan Eden. No, Gan Eden is the mitzvah. Gan Eden is the light of the mitzvah. Gan Eden is seeing the mitzvah. Gan Eden is a microscope, a microscope that allows you to appreciate what's inside the seed. You're not going to get better than the seed. The seed has it. The seed has it. You're not going to get better than the seed. But you need the microscopic eyes and tools to be able to see what's, what is in the seed. That's the fruit that comes out from the seed. We don't have the sensitivity and the appreciation to look at the seed and see everything that is there. So that's schar mitzvah to be able to see what this seed accomplished, what this seed contained, what's in this shtickle Torah, what's in this mitzvah. I think we need a niggin before we continue. <laughs> And I'm going to get my coffee. <laughs> Everybody has a recess break for a minute. Sing a niggin. Shkoyach nebaren. Siv gimel. Ketei shetisachid gam kedim nafshayalakis. In order for it to become unified also with the person's soul, with the person's godly soul, we're talking about how you take the seed, you plant it in the earth, which means when I'm learning Torah, the Torah that we have here, the physical Torah that we're learning about, what do I mean physical? Torah, the way it assumes a physical avush, a physical incarnation. Because most of Torah that we're learning, we're talking about Torah of Nigla, the Torah of Nigla, the revealed Torah, which is Tanakh and Mishnayis and Gemara, and whether it's Rashi, Taisvis, Rishonim, Acharonim, Mefarshim, Poiskim, Halacha, Shulchan Aruch, the commentaries, all the way down to this very generation, which is in itself infinite in its depth and in the layers and in the ideas and in the broadness and in the intricacies and in the details and in the full scope of it. So the Alter Rebbe was telling us, yes, and that's the seed. The seed has in it the DNA of the entire tree. The seed has the DNA of the entire fruit. And now plant the seed into the earth. And the seed decomposes and becomes one with the earth. And then the fruits grow. And as explained at length, what that means in terms, thank you, of how somebody has to learn Torah. Thank you. Now, what about the person himself? In order for this to become one with the nafshayalikis, with the godly soul of the person, not just the seed of Torah becomes one with the source of Torah. So that's the Torah, that the nigla and the source, the nister become one. In order for this to become one also with the person, he may have tefillah kruya nefesh. Tefillah is called soul. Kedixiv, the Pasuk says, by Chana, in the beginning of Shmuel, Samuel 1, chapter 1, we read it on Rosh Hashanah in the Haftarah, the, the day 1, that Chana was davening for a child. And she tells the Kayan, she tells Eli, the Kayan Gadl, he thought she was drunk. She says, no, 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 I'm not drunk. Ve'eshpo'ich es nafshi lifnei Hashem. 
I poured out my soul before God. So this is a very famous expression, the Eshpechas Nafshin. In Eicha, Yirmiya Navi says, Shivchi Chamaim Chamawaim Libech, Noichach Penewewayashem, Shivchi Chamaim Chamaim Libech. Again, pour out your heart like water. Let it flow. Pour out your heart. But already before in Shmuel, Chana uses these words, and it's not a coincidence that Al-Tarebbe brings this passage because the Gemara says in Brachas Daf Lamed that Mo, many of the major laws of davening we learn from where? From Chana's prayers. That's where, I don't know if you know that, but the source of most of the major halachas about how to daven is from Chana's tefillah, which is in itself astounding. Avraham daven, then Yitzchak daven, then Yaakov daven, and a lot of people have davened before Chana. But the main halachas of tefillah you learn from Chana. There's an amazing sicha of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Lakutei Sichas, Chelek Chavtes, Rosh Hashanah, where he explains why, how was the uniqueness about Chana's tefillah that becomes the source of tefillah. But it's, a, it's for a different shear. But what do we see from here? The term that she uses for tefillah is Ve'eshpeiches nafshi. I poured out my soul. So nefesh, she says, tefillah is kriya nefesh. Tefillah is called the nefesh, the soul. Now what does it mean, how do you pour out your soul? Well, you take your soul and you pour it. I mean, you pour out your soul. So it's an expression in English, right? Pour out your soul, but it comes from this pasuk. I poured out my soul. I understand you pour water. You can pour soda, you can pour coffee, you can pour tea. Of course, you can pour seltzer. You can pour cold water or hot water, but how do you pour a soul? He says, person needs to arouse his soul during davening from the depth of his heart. Davening is not a random act. person takes a siddha. No. He says davening is a time to be ma'ir the av, to arouse the love, the relationship. Go into the depth of your heart, which means with utmost sincerity and genuineness. Allowing your soul to long, to, to go up, to ascend, with a complete dedication of the soul, I love you, Baruch, allowing my whole metzius, my whole identity to be aligned with Hashem. This is the idea we spoke in the beginning of the Maimon about my sister, from the words, the Alexandrian not, in other words, going back to that innate, intrinsic relationship that exists. That this level of dedication and alignment, which we discussed about Achaisi, should become fixed and entrenched in one's mind and one's heart. during which is basically the state of Chachmeilah, the divine wisdom, meaning that a person allows his or her wisdom to become one with the divine wisdom. In simple English, what this means is. 
This means something very profound he's telling us. And I want you to tune in here. What does the word tefillah mean? We say tefillah means to daven. What does davening mean? To pray. What does pray mean? To ask what you need for. That's partially true, of course, but there's also something much deeper. The word tefillah has its roots in a word in Parshas Vayechi. Yosef meets, Yosef meets his father after 22 years. Remember what his father tells him? I never imagined even to see your face. And now I see the face of your children. The word for imagine is pilalti. Loi filalti. I never imagined. I never dreamt. I never anticipated. It wasn't part of the trajectory of what my life is going to look like. I was not supposed to see you. In my mind, I gave up. 22 years, my son is gone. I was made to believe that you were devoured by a wild animal. I did not imagine that I will ever see your face. What then is tefillah? Pilalti. The ability to imagine anticipate, dream. Dream of what? Here we have to remember how Hebrew grammar works. If I want to say, we're going to need Israel's help here. We need the Israelis here. If I want to say, I want to go dress my child, so I'll say in English, I need, in Hebrew, I need right? What if I want to say, I want to get dressed myself? What do I say? Ani Lehit labesh. Lehit labesh. is to put on clothes on you. Lehit labesh is for me. I want to go bathe. Ani olech lehit rachetz. Lehit rachetz. Right? So now I say, lehit palel. Lehit palel. What's lehit palel? To imagine for myself. Pilalti, imagination, anticipation, dreaming. Lehit palel is... I should imagine. What should I imagine? What should I imagine? I should imagine my life and my possibilities in life from God's perspective. The idea of Lehispalel is, can I revisit my life's story, my life's agenda, my life's expectations? Can I revisit who I am as a person, Lehispalel, and imagine it, and anticipate it, and see it from a completely different paradigm, to see myself the way God sees me. Which is, by the way, the cantor who leads the tefillah, what is he called? Chazan. Where does the word chazan come from? What does chazan mean? Vision. Vision. Chazon. Chazon Yishan. Why does a chazan need vision? Because that's exactly what a chazan is. <laughs> Chazan is vision. What type of vision? He is the shliach tzibur who grants us all the vision to be able to see ourselves in a new way. Yaakov Avinu tells his son, I did not imagine I can ever see you. Loi pilalti lispalil is. Can you imagine yourself in a new way? Instead of seeing myself from a very narrow, petty, mediocre, frustrated, resentful angry, traumatized, restricted place, can I see myself from the point of view of infinity? Can I see myself the way God sees me? 
Tefillah is all about alignment. And that's the I pour out my soul. What does it mean I pour out my soul? I allow my soul to go out of all of its containers. You know, when you pour water, the water is trapped in, in the pitcher or something, and you open the lid and you pour it out. The Al-Tareb is saying, I take my soul, which may be contained and small and limited and trapped, and I pour it out. Lifnei Hashem. I let it become one with infinity. In other words, in simple words, I allow myself to see myself the way God sees me. I want to look at today's day. I'm davening today. I want that today's day I should live the way God sees my potential in life. Ah, the Hesabadan. Ah, you get it? And we're talking about brothers and sisters that are one. So brothers' names are connected to us as well. So tefillah has also another connection, another interpretation, which is exactly, which fits exactly with this. It says by, uh, by Leah, when Naphtali was born, she named him Naphtali. Why? You remember? Naphtule Eloikim Niftalti Emachaisi. So Rashi brings the interpretation there. Naphtule means interconnectedness. Niftalti. I became Mechubur. In Yiddish they say, Geknipt ungebinden. I became interconnected and interlaced from every side with my sister. Naphtule Eloikim Niftalti Emachaisi. So therefore, as a result of this, tefillah is also connection, alignment. You also have an expression in Mishnayis, ha-toifel kleicheres. It's a question if it's with a tes or a tof. Ha-toifel kleicheres is if you put together, you, you connect earthenware that gets broken, and then you bring the, the shards, you bring them together, and you mold them back together into one piece. Toifel, tefillah, is then taking broken shards and bringing them all together. Because a person on his or her own could be broken. Broken means not necessarily I'm broken. I can also be broken. But I'm broken in the sense that I'm separated. Who am I separated from? Me. I'm separated from my essence. And therefore I'm separated from you. Because here's the rule in life. Whenever you're separated from yourself, you also separate from other. You automatically have to separate yourself from other people. Because if I'm not at peace with me... I can't be at peace with anybody else. <laughs> if I can't get along with myself, you think I'm going to get along with you? I'll smile. I'll have a drink with you. You know, I'll make believe, but I can't really have it. You know, people who are miserable inside themselves can't connect to other people, right? Men lemmas. So it's always you begin with connect by connecting with yourself to connect, really connect with somebody else. So Naftule Alekim Niftaltia Teufel Kleicheris is I'm often separated from myself. I'm separated from my core. I'm separated from Hashem. I'm really, I don't feel the oneness. So Tfilah is going back to that oneness, and it begins with imagining myself from God's perspective. And that's the chazan. That's why a chazan is a big thing. Shliach Tzibur. Because a chazan needs vision. A chazan needs chazoin. He has to help the crowd get the vision. That's what a Shliach Tzibur is. <laughs> I'm laughing because, you know, you get, get some Ahmed, go to the Ahmed. The Chazal took a Shliach Tzibur seriously. 
okay, we can't always, you know, before Shachra start making elections, you know, and f- find from the whole Los Angeles or from the whole Muncie or from the whole Borough Park a chazan. You know, somebody goes to the Ahmed. But the point is that there's a serious name for it, chazoin. You know, vision. So tefillah is the time of Eshpechus Nafshi when I become one with my source. So the Alter Rebbe now says something amazing. If after davening you learn in the way that we spoke earlier, in the way that we spoke earlier, that the learning should be bottled, the learning should be completely aligned with the divine wisdom that is manifested, that is enclosed in Torah, even if it's concealed. Because I'm learning a piece of Gemara, or I'm learning a piece of Mishnah, or I'm learning Chumash, whatever I'm learning, and I don't necessarily see the Chachmei I see a seed. But nonetheless, I'm learning the way this Maimer taught me to learn. So now what happens? So the Alter Rebbe says, so you know what happens? So here you have the complete unity. The light of the Torah becomes one with the light of the godly soul. In other words, this process that we spoke about in Torah, that the seed goes into the earth, it must be preceded by the same process in the person himself. And that's davening. In learning, I connect the Torah with its source. In davening, I connect me with my source. So he says, That's why it says in Shulchan Aruch, in Arachayim, I think it's Kufnun Vav, that the, the opportune time for learning is after davening. The Gemara says in Brachas, Me beis hakneses, lebeis hamedrush. Avada, there's those who learn before davening, to prepare for davening, to be able to daven like this. You also have to be able to prepare for davening. But he says, the real opportune time for learning is after davening. Then the Mishnah, the Brachas is talking, the Brachas, the Gemara is talking about there's somebody who works. So they go from Beis HaKnes to Beis HaMedra, and then Hanag Ben Minag Derecheres, then they go into the world to do what they got to do. Why is that the time? Because he says, then the Limud follows the person aligning themselves with their source. So now when they learn Torah, they could see in the seed, the fruit, the source, the essence. So the Torah becomes aligned with its source. So what happens now is, the person who is absorbing the Torah, as we said before, the Torah becomes absorbed. And the Torah is one with its source. And the person became one with his source. So the Alter Rebbe says, what happens is, there's the Yichud now, of the light of the Torah, the divine light of Torah is unified with the divine light of the godly soul, which has become one with its own source through davening. So now you have the complete unity. And that's the meaning the Gemara says in He brought it the beginning of the mind. Fortunate is the person who comes here and his learning is in his hands. Pirush, Shabalakan, Nafshehal, Kis, Alide Mesidis Nefesh of Bitalana. What does it mean? person who came here. It's a funny expression. It's like, fortunate is the guy who came here with his Talmud in his hand. He says, it has to be Mishabalakan. He has to show up here. He came here. What's pretty came here? His Nefesh al actually arrived through Mesidis Nefesh of Bittal. Sometimes a person never came here. He's stuck in his own little paradigms. Ashrei Misha that itself is a big thing. He came, he showed up. 
He allowed himself to show show up at the doorstep of infinity. (laughs) That's a big thing. That takes a lot of mysterious difference. It takes bitl. The Talmud and the Talmud in his hand also showed up. He could come up, come with the Talmud, but it didn't show up in Ein Saif because he separated the Levush of Torah from the essence of Torah, just like he separated himself. Ashrei Misha Balakan, he came. He went out of the of the facades of the shells of the traps. And the Talmud also came with him. He elevated both himself and the seed to its ultimate source. So now you have this, 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 the, the unity, the unity that we spoke about before. That the bread is absorbed in me and it becomes one with me. The Torah is absorbed in me and it becomes one with me. So now I and the Torah become one. He spoke in the beginning about bread, that the bread has to become part of me, part of me, and then it becomes lachmi. So here the Altareb explained the whole process, that the Torah itself, even though it's physical, the seed planted in the earth becomes one with infinity. The person who learns Torah with the, after the davening, who learns himself how to unify himself with the source, now when this person learns Torah, and the Torah is pure divinity because he connects the seed to the earth, and I'm absorbing the Torah, so what happens now is the person becomes completely one with the source of Ein Soif. That's the Achtos that happens through Tefillah followed by Torah. And this completes the first step of agriculture, which is the planting. <laughs> the seed was placed in the earth. The Alter Rebbe still has to discuss the grinding, the kneading, and then the baking. And when you have the baking, then you can really eat the bread, as we will see. In other words, he still has to finish this whole process because the bread is not edible yet. (laughs) You plant it, great, you put the seed into the earth, but now we still need to grind, we still need to knead, and we still need to bake. So that Be'ezer Hashem we will continue in the next in the next class. Wishing you all an amazing, beautiful, uplifting day and a day of imagination. <laughs> a day in which you can imagine yourself the way God imagines you. Love you all. A lot of Hatzlacha. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.